for listening to the Bully Pew Podcast brought to you by Protestia.com. I'm your host, David Morrill, and you are riding around with me through uh, suburban Denver. I guess suburban at this point, uh, soon to be the highway. You'll probably notice the background noise increase a little bit as I increase the speed of the vehicle. But nevertheless, I appreciate you tuning in the Bully Pew Podcast from Protestia.com. And this is the podcast where we talk about more casual things, um, basically because I don't have research sitting in front of me and necessarily planned topics as much as I normally might have for Protestia tonight. Um, If you appreciate this content, if it's a blessing to you, if Protestia tonight uh, is a blessing to you or the uh, articles, journalism that we're doing on that website helps you out, uh, help us out by joining the team on a financial level by going over to patreon.com forward slash Protestia for $5.95 a month. Uh, You can keep this work going. Some of you know, um, I'll make it a point again, but some of you know that uh, especially me, um, but, but I would argue all of the guys. Uh, really, even even the guys who are paid a nominal amount for some of the work they do, it is a labor of love. The amount that they're paid in no way compensates truly for the amount of work being done. And I myself make no money from Protestia. It is certainly a labor of love. And polemics and discernment ministry is very dear to my heart because I count it as uh, the way or, or the, the vehicle by which um, God uh, helped me see the light about a lot of things that were going on in the broader evangelical culture, especially when it comes to the church growth movement, um, church marketing methodology, the commoditization of the worship of the saints into basically a spiritual product. Um, those of you that read Protesti or listen to any of our content know exactly what I'm talking about. There's still an article at Protestia where I kind of chronicle um, my experience with this and how um, I was really pulled out of it. Um, I wouldn't have said that I was a, you know, lost person. Um, at, you know, I was I was certainly a believer, and I and I think the evidence of that was that God said, "I'm not keeping my son and daughter." That's my wife. <laughs> um, he he was not willing to leave his children in that kind of. Um, spiritually devoid and decrepit environment. And so he helped us to see the truth and pulled us out of there. And I am uh, forever grateful that that happened. Um, So, but, you know, long story short, that's why this kind of work is important to me. It's why I'm willing to do it for uh, no money. In fact, you know, it's, it's really, I'm, I'm, I'm a fellow patron. I've said that before as well. I'm a fellow patron uh, to protestia. So I actually am contributing to this and doing the work at the same time. I think it's that important. Um, I was having a conversation with a, a good friend of mine, uh, a brother, uh, who is a, a, a regular with the, on, on the, um, uh, Bulldogmatic Bible study, which by the way, we do on Thursday nights and, and you'll get automatic access to that. If you subscribe at Patreon at the 1995 level, of course, if, if 1995 is a little too much, but you you want to join us on Thursday nights, we'd love to have you. Just send me a message. I'm not hard to get a hold of, and I'll make sure that uh, you get the link and get access to that Thursday night at 6.30 Mountain Time. Uh, we study the Word together via the um, te- technology known as Zoom, the video technology known as Zoom. We study the Bible together. Right now we're in Galatians. 
We're, we're slow walking our way through Galatians. We're in the second chapter. And uh, we routinely, because it's a discernment and polemics ministry, uh, routinely have uh, you know squirrel chasing conversations about what we're talking about and dig into things that are going on in people's lives and even their, their home churches and their situations uh, from, a, from a discernment perspective. And we were having a conversation last night about about um, church membership and taking vows, and um, I don't want to. I don't want to pretend like I know everything that's going on in um, this gentleman's church uh, or anything like that. But it, it did provoke an interesting discussion because he he you know had questions about hey the, you know this church membership seems like a, it's it's even written this way, and we we sign something that uh, basically says that it's a covenant, it's a vow. And Jesus said, "Don't, don't, don't take vows. Let your yes be yes and your no be no." And that that really brought up an interesting conversation, not only about church membership, but even even what Jesus meant when he ta- when he was teaching to um, not swear by something, you know, to not take vows based on um, um, something, but let your yes be yes and your no be no. And um, I, this is a conversation that I find myself having, you know, not just with um, with my brother on the you know uh, Bible study, but also with with you know family members and people that I know here in Colorado. Uh, what the essence of church membership is is it important? Is it essential? Should we be um, making these kind of uh, commitments by way of um, agreeing to some sort of covenant or vow or something before the church body? Um, what the point is, and so I, I, I wanted basically to uh, use this episode of the bull, or excuse me, this episode of the Bully Pew podcast to bring uh, some of that conversation to everybody because I think it's important um, that we we revisit sometimes, uh, you know, things that hey, maybe we thought we'd covered this, maybe we thought that that everybody was clear, but there's still some confusion, and continue to provide those kind of resources. Not everything has to be. Not everything that we do has to be based off of the latest news of the day or the latest evangelical scuffle on social media or whatever it is. Sometimes that's important, um, and other times, other times I think that it can be a distraction because you know we we shouldn't pretend like people having debates on you know Twitter, X formerly known as Twitter, Facebook, wherever they're having these debates and things like that. Um, that some of that uh, some of that debate isn't driven by platform building and people you know sometimes stirring up controversy just to get attention for themselves. Um, there are three, while, while I'm chasing rabbits, there are three, you know, some of you, if you spend any time on social media in this conversation, there seem to be uh, three primary ways that I would argue people are just trying to generate uh, attention for themselves uh, or generate engagement, which is, you know, the social media lingo for you know, clicks and likes and follows and shares and all these other kinds of things that people do with other people's content. Um, and one, one of them is a big pet peeve of mine. Like, you know, I mean, the, the, the first one that I notice is people, they post, um, broad con- what I call broad consensus and where we've seen, we, we, they'll post something like, um, uh, you know, reply with amen if Jesus is Lord or something like that. And it's like, okay, we, we all believe that. I don't need to reply amen to your post. And like very clearly you're just leveraging this, this very clear, universally accepted, universally believed in Christianity truth um, to, to, you know, get people to chime in, keep that algorithm churning. 
Um, it's it's kind of a cheap tack it, tactic. It annoys me a little bit because it, it it's it's like you you didn't post Jesus as Lord, you know, um, because this was a controversial thing. Even the, even even false teachers, those that are claiming the name of Christ, weren't saved or saying that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean that's a little annoying. But but my bigger my bigger pet peeve is the you know what, what we might call the chain letters of social media <laughs> that's those those ones really are pretty annoying they're wastes of time and and you know people do it all you know and they're they're basically these little these little gimmicks these little fads that encourage somebody to and this is why it's so so um so effective it encourages people to look at themselves which of course is most people's favorite topic you know it's uh, and i mean I'm, I'm just as guilty as the next person of uh, starting to interpret or analyze or interact with reality around me um, as if it's dependent on me. <laughs> That's kind of what we, we tend to do. Um, and, and it'll go something like this. They'll say something like, put your, put your birth year into the, into the GIF um, search because every keyboard on a smartphone now has a, has a GIF search where, you know, a GIF, you know, some people call it a GIF. I like to use the hard G, the GIF, graphical interchange format, as I think what it's called. But it's 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 a you know graphical format that. Um, uh, sorry, I'm I'm driving down the highway. And I just noticed there's this truck next to me with a, with uh, the back of his truck is wide open, and I don't know if he knows or not. I don't know if I should try to get his attention and say, "Hey, dude, the back of your truck is wide open. You're about to lose what looks like uh, maybe HVAC parts. I can't tell." <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. So, so the the chain letter would say something like, uh, "Hey, you go into the search bar, your gift search, and um, type in your birth year, and then post whatever the first gift that comes out is," which is a total waste of time. It's not even, it, it, but but it it encourages people to um, to look at themselves, platform themselves. You know, it, it gives them the that positive feeling of somebody, you know, even though it's, even though it's just a gimmick, you know, Hey, you know, this is inner, I'm interesting. My birth year is interesting. This gift is interesting. People are paying attention. This it's, and yeah, it's, it's, it's mostly harmless. It's just, it's more like an annoying waste of time as far as I can tell. Um, but again, it's, it's, it's just used to generate engagement, not because the not because the content is valuable, but just because you can get people to you can get people to do just about anything online uh, for a quick fix of look at me, pay attention to me. <laughs> but of course, the the most pernicious one in terms of in terms of getting engagement online is what what uh, we in the discernment polemics community call drafting, and and drafting is where uh, you. Your your uh, your activity online is focused on a specific um, person, usually a person. Like a topic is is one thing, but usually a person who can be tagged and who can be made aware that you're having this discussion is much more effective. Um, and your content is, and they have a bigger following than you and a lot more influence. You know, usually a lot more influence. Um, and your content is focused on either promoting them in some way, sharing their, kind of resharing their content and commenting on it and, and whatnot. But most of the time, at least, you know, for those that um, are in more contentious, polemical kind of conversations routinely, most of the time it's, it's critical of the person and, and it's, it's, you're tagging them and you're over and over and over and over again 
um, uh, like the bulk of your content, your contribution to the conversation is basically targeting a person that um, you disagree with and that you feel like has enough other people that disagree with them that you can gather a following by being, you know, vocally and aggressively opposed to them. And, you know, some people would accuse, you know, me of doing that or protesty of doing that because we target people for, for, uh, uh, polemical engagement. We target false teachers. We, we identify and, and report on bad behavior going on, bad theology, bad teaching primarily going on. And so, you know, people might accuse us of doing that, but we try to, we try to spread it out. Like you're not going to see, um, you know, protestia.com just go for days and days and days where every piece of content is about the same person with the hopes that other people that, that are similarly, um, opposed to this person will start to follow and like, and, and, and stuff like that, that we do That's that would be drafting. And we try not to do that. And it's not like all drafting is bad. Um, I mean, I, I, I have, and some of you probably know, um, you know, people that I would be talking about, but, but friends and people that I trust and people that I, that I appreciate their work, who the vast majority of their work is kind of focused around, um, you know, one larger minister ministry, but it's in a, in a, from a positive angle, promoting their work. And, um, the most important thing is, are you telling the truth? Are you accurately, um, conveying your, conveying your message? Are you being fair? Are you being honest? Um, and truthful, that that's more important. But certainly, the the, the you know, there is a there is a drafting that is used specifically just to gather an audience, just for the purpose of of ramping up engagement. Um, I'm not sure exactly where I was going with that rabbit, but maybe that you know you, you guys know what I'm talking about with those techniques, <laughs> what people do online to to generate attention uh, for themselves or or their platform. Um, but getting back to uh, the conversation we were having about church membership, and and taking vows and and, and uh, you know covenanting with a church, um, the conversation has been with people that I know you know across the internet, but even people locally, basically challenging this idea like what's the purpose of this? Why why are we? Um, why 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 do we have to be? members of a church? Why can't we just go to the church? Why are they, why, why are they asking for this, you know, arguably extra commitment, you know, that I don't see anywhere in scripture. I don't see, oh, here's, here's the requirements for being a member of a church. Here's why we do it. Blah, 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 blah. And the, the, the best answer for this, because I, I think it differs depending on your, your ecclesiology, depending on your, your form of church governance, but in the case of being uh, congregationally governed, being a Baptist, you know, the vast majority of Baptist churches are congregationally governed. Um, and and that is, that's certainly my preference is what I think is, is, is most um, supportable scripturally, um, congregationally governed, elder-led, um, and I would argue plur- with a plurality of elders, ideally, elder-led, uh, congregationally governed and deacon served is is the biblical model that that I take from Scripture, and I you know would certainly stand by that and, and, and argue for it. But I know that we have a lot of um, you know Presbyterian brothers and sisters, and their churches don't do it that way. They're more elder rule, uh, where the the elders uh, make the make the big decisions of the church. Um, they may they they also will send uh, select elders to you know. Um, a presbytery, which is you know a, a governing body above a 
a, a geographical region of, of churches and they have they have a different structure for sure and ironically I think this is ironic because uh, Presbyterianism uh, generally practices uh, infant baptism baptism as the, uh, the the new new covenant version of the circumcision the sign of of belonging or or being um, in the covenant community of the church um, church membership I would argue in in many ways is less important uh, or less essential in that kind of a tradition because you're not really you're not really uh, participating in the governing of the church in the leading of the church in the way that you might be as a member of a congregationally governed church so Baptists practice church membership um, regenerate church membership the idea is before anybody is a member of the church in which after they're a member they will be exercising some level of governing authority um, as they're led by the elders but they're going to help as a body as a unified body make the decisions for the church um, in order to be part of the body of Christ you need to be a regenerate believer and so a Baptist church um, goes through a church membership process to to the best of their ability I mean nobody can know for sure we've talked about this before but to the best of their ability know that that person who is um, going to be a church member is a is a Christian and a Christian who believes uh, in in um, unity with the doctrinal positions of the church itself so so and those can be obviously they need to be plumb line Orthodox gospel salvific um, issues you know, first and foremost, but it also should be some unity on, um, I agree as a member of this church to the way this, that, that we're going to do things, what we're going to believe about secondary and tertiary issues, what we're going to believe about the way that a church service should be done. Um, you know, accepting this form of church governance, those, those kind of things, um, in order to maintain peace and the unity of the body, you, you only want to be accepting people into membership who agree with those things or, or, you know, to the point where they say, Hey, I may not be in total agreement with this position. I know that and, and tolerating that difference. I'm not becoming a member so that I can try to, um, change the church's position on this. Um, obviously that kind of stuff happens. Um, but the, the process of membership is not only to, to ensure that those who are coming into, um, you know, serving roles, ministerial roles, because I would argue every person in a church should be ministering um, as a member of that local congregation to each other, um, you know, evangelizing the, the, you know, their community around them. But they're certainly a representative of Christ and a representative of that church that they're a member of. The process is to ensure that they're, they're you know, we're all on the same page. We're all, we're all in agreement about the way that we believe, what we believe, what we're going to practice. Um, even, I mean, even if a church, for instance, is going to have a, a strong identity on soteriology, they're going to strongly identify as, as um, Calvinist doctrines of grace, and that's going to be a big part of their identity, they probably should put that in their, their church governing documents, and I would argue probably should be part of any sort of membership covenant so people know what they're getting into. Um, the last thing you want is somebody, uh, you know, basically covenanting or, or agreeing or promising uh, certain things as a member of that church, making a commitment to their local body, only to find out, oh man, I don't agree with this and this and this, and I, you know, that's a problem. So, so to be transparent about um, about what the church believes and you know even what its emphases might be, 
you know, they, there's there's certainly a lot of liberty with regard to how a local body of believers is going to um, um, believe and practice. And I mean, it could it could even be something as as like eschatology. If you say this this church is unapologetically um, premillennial dispensational, that's what we teach. That's what we're going to uh, uh, promote. We are going to that's going to be a big part of who we are. Um, being open about that in the in the the you know governing documents of the church in the membership covenant and things, um, it helps somebody who's thinking about joining the church to decide you know. I'm either in agreement with that, and that's great. And I, I also want to promote those things. That that also is a big part of my um, my theology. Or I I don't believe that, um, and so this isn't the church for me. I probably should find a different church that I can, uh, in a with a clear conscience, commit to sojourning with. Or I, um, I I differ on this, but it's not a big enough uh, concern to me to stop me from, to, from uh, committing to this local body. And I know that this is what they teach. This is what we teach as a church. And I'm willing to, to tolerate that. It would be the best way to say it. Um, the other, the other big, uh, you know, reason why church membership is important is because the Bible instructs us to hold one another accountable. And, um, you know, Matthew 18 church discipline process is something that we're told by Christ to do. And we've, it's a, you know, generally speaking, we'd say it's a three-step process. It's go, if a person is in sin, they've sinned against you. And, and, and it's important, this is important because some translations leave out, you know, if the person sins against you. Some translations will say, if a brother sins against you. Other translations will say, if a brother sins. Um, I would argue that it is, church discipline starts um, with the person sinned against um, uh, calling their brother or sister to repentance and reconciliation, so they they, they have the uh, the right of if they've if they've been sinned against, they have the right uh, to to ask for um, you know compensation and fixing of that. They have the they have the judicial position here as the person who's been sinned against, not random other people, and so that the process always starts with saying, um, yeah, your brother sinned against you. Go take. Tell it, tell it to him in private, and if he repents, uh, if he said, you know, I'm sorry, please forgive me, um, you know, I didn't, you know, I, even even if he says that wasn't my intention, but it was a real sin, whatever whatever the, the uh, situation is, if he repents, if he changes, if he acknowledges, yes, that was sin, that was wrong, I'm sorry, I did that, please forgive me, and um, you accept his forgiveness and you move on, you've won your brother, as Scripture says, the the. The second step, if he doesn't repent, if he if he if he says I don't care what you say, you know, or it's not a sin, you know, or that's your problem, or I don't care if I've sinned against you, whatever the situation is, the second step is you bring two or three witnesses. These aren't these aren't witnesses who have, you know, necessarily seen the sin happen. They're not witnesses like we think witnesses in a courtroom where you say, okay, what did you observe? Did you say? Did you see Joe punch Steve in the face? That's not that's not what it is, but the, the, they're they're more like jurists. They're more like they're fellow believers whom you trust, uh, and you trust the Spirit's ministry in their hearts um, to help adjudicate the situation. Because there's a possibility we're all human beings. There's a possibility that you say, "Hey, you know, you sinned against me," and the the person doesn't listen and doesn't repent. You bring witnesses, and those witnesses say, "Actually, dude, he really didn't sin against you." 
Like that's, you know, you're, you're, you, I can't see in scripture where what you're describing here is actually a sin. And so, you know, you end up being the one that is apologizing and asking for forgiveness because you falsely accused a brother of sin. Um, but that's what those witnesses are for. But assuming that the, the person really did sin against you, these witnesses would, that you would bring, by the way, you would bring, would, would convince this person, you know, no, dude, you actually did sin. This is a sin. And so now you're bringing some brotherly pressure on the, the person uh, who sinned. And hopefully that brings him to repentance. Hopefully, you know, at step one, he just, you know, maybe didn't see it the right way. Um, or disagreed about the nature of, of the sin or, you know, where it was in scripture or where God said it, that kind of a thing. And then in step two, he's now convinced, he repents, he asks for forgiveness, you give him forgiveness and you're reconciled and you move on. Um, that's ideal. If with witnesses, he still refuses to repent, then, this, then Jesus said, take it to the church take it to the church. So, and, and why would you take it to the church? Because the next step, if you are unrepentant, you, you refuse to repent for clear sin. Witnesses have determined, you know, have determined it's sinful. Now the church is going to have their say. And when the church says as a unified body, yeah, clearly this is in sin. You're not repenting. I mean, you know, God, God uh, willing, the person repents at that point. And there's a process by which brothers and sisters can bring them back into fellowship, not obviously with the person that they've sinned against, but depending on the nature of the sin, even with the rest of the body. But if they don't do that, then um, we're instructed to treat that person as an unbeliever. We kick them out of the church. They're excommunicated. Now, why why would this person, you know, um, in... in you know, unrepentant sin who is being disciplined at this point, why would they submit to something like this? Wouldn't they just leave? Well, that's now we get to one of this purpose of church membership, which is you're agreeing. And like my church's uh, covenant for membership talks about this, you are agreeing to submit to um, a disciplinary process if and when it's necessary. So you're, you're agreeing, you're promising not to take your ball and go home. And we see because Jesus laid out this process that that would be a sinful thing to do. A sinful thing to do would be to say, you know, your, your brother says, Hey, you sinned against me and you just stop taking his phone calls and you just ghost him. You ignore him. Um, the, the, the church is charged with exercising, um, judicial authority in spiritual matters between Christians, spiritual authority. When it comes to things that are sinful, that are within the purview of what, um, you know, behavior and speech and teaching and doctrine and things that we can, that we can adjudicate. Um, but if you, if you have a church that doesn't have church membership, it doesn't have church membership, there's no um, structure by which um, to actually follow Matthew 18, actually follow Matthew 18, 15 through uh, 17. And, and so the, 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 the requirement that churches have for membership is a, um, it's, it's a natural um, uh, expression of following the requirements of submitting to one another and, and understanding the spiritual authority that belongs, uh, that Christ has vested in the local church, in the body of Christ. Um, the, the other um, argument I would make for why church membership is important is you're, you're, you're committing to uh, um, 
you know, to, to a certain extent, and I know this is not a perfect way to say it, but you're committing to take ownership of the ministry of the church. You're committing to, uh, to loving the bride of Christ as a member, as a committed member of that church. In other words, it's no, it, it should not be. And hopefully uh, if you're serious about your commitment to the church, it's not, it shouldn't be a, um, a customer, uh, business relationship like so many churches do. So you're, you're not going to the church to consume, to be given things. You're going to the church to serve. And yes, I mean, serving one another is going to result in you receiving benefits, spiritual benefits, the benefits of fellowship, uh, the benefits of teaching, the benefits of um, um, the, the observance of uh, communion and baptism. Some churches call them sacraments. You know, I'm a pretty low church guy. That's not my preferred term. Um, but the administration of the Lord's Supper, um, those are um, benefits uh, from being part of that church, being a member of that church. But the, you know, being a member rather than just an attendee um, is you signaling, I'm, I want to serve here. I'm willing to do things and volunteer and minister and, and be a part of this. I'm, I'm willing to hold my fellow believers accountable for my brothers and sisters here accountable for what um, I observe that they do and that they teach. Um, I'm willing to, um, you know, ask my pastors when I have questions about a sermon or challenge them when, when I think that they've, you know, maybe taught something incorrectly or have a, have a false understanding. I'm willing to, that, and that's hard work. That's hard. It's much easier to just be a, um, a customer to just show up and say, you know, put the bumper sticker on the back of your car and say, I'm with this brand over here. I'm with, you know, Kaboom Church, <laughs> as, as uh, Adam Page likes to say on, on Twitter, Kaboom Church. Um, you know, that's my favorite brand of, of energy drink, Kaboom Church energy drink. And, and you're just a customer. You have no skin in the game. Um, anytime the church, you know, might change something or, or does something that is not your favorite thing to do, or God forbid they start teaching something false or, or you, know, you have a bigger doctrinal problem, um, the member um, takes that um, as, as, as part of their mission to help fix and restore and challenge and it's, you know, to do that difficult work. The customer says, I'm just going to find somewhere else. I'm just going to quit going to this, this, uh, you know, quit being a patron of this church and go be a patron of some other church. Um, I'll be a, I'll be a customer of, of, you know, the, the Kaboom church down the street, you know, make up, make up your own church 2.0 name. That's, that's where I'm going. And the church 2.0 name is the, of course the name where it's like, it's not first Baptist church of Denver or whatever. It's, you know, um, I'm, I'm afraid to say one because I'm going to say like a real one and then people are going to hear this and say, why are you insulting our church? I'm not trying to do that. But we all know what we're talking about. Where The, the, the name of the church isn't really a uh, denominational indicator. It's not really a, a doctrinal indicator. It's just like a cool sounding marketing catchphrase like life change church or something. There's probably a life change church. So if you go to that church, I'm not trying to insult you just trying to make a point or it could be, you know, it could be something like, um, uh, crossroads. There's tons of crossroads churches, you know, um, <laughs> it could be, uh, you know, uh, what was favorite a uh, Harbor church in Denver. There's a Harbor church. I'm not sure what that means. There are no harbors in Denver. 
Uh, <laughs> there's no oceans around here, but whatever. I mean, you know, or, or, um, you know, so, some of them are basically new, like newfangled versions of safe space church. And of course they all have the same catchphrase, don't they? It's something like around here, we do church a little differently as they all say and do the exact same thing. <laughs> you know, no, no, here is where you're accepted. Not like those fuddy duddy, you know, churches with the steeples and Baptist in the name over here. We, you know, you don't have to worry about anything, which is like, that's not, like, that's not what church is supposed to be. <laughs> you're like, why, why would you ever want a church where, uh, you're, you're basically telling people, um, no matter what their spiritual condition is, come here and we won't challenge a thing. Be who you want to be over at, you know, not triggered church, you know, or, or the, you know, the church is like, like they actually put their URL in the church name, like notchallenged.com church. You know, it's not even really a church. It's just a, it's just a, it's more like a fitness club for your soul. You know, it's just, this is what we see these days. Um, but I would encourage everybody who is, I mean, and we say it, right? We say on, on protesting tonight, and we've said it on, you know, polemics report before that we, and we, we say this all the time that the work being done in this ministry is for people who are loving, giving, serving, faithful members of their local, local New Testament congregations. And we say members for a reason, because this, this is the practical manifestation of the, the commitment that believers are supposed to have as a member of the body of Christ. And it's tough work. And ministry is tough work. I mean, ask any pastor you know um, who's doing it right, and there are plenty of, of, of faithful men out there doing this work right, and they'll tell you. I mean, if they're, you know, if, if, if you know, they're, they're willing to be open and honest about it, and sometimes I know they, they, they seem to want to protect the congregation from the, the, the inside baseball stuff, but if they're being honest about it, they'll tell you, yeah, it's hard work. Ministry is challenging work. And it's challenging work for non-vocational ministers as well, if they're doing it the right way. It's difficult to see something going on in your church or, you know, your pastor said something or taught something um, that you don't believe is biblical and to challenge that scripturally. You know, discernment is the black sheep of the spiritual gifts. We all know this. And arguably, in many ways, it's the most important. There are, I mean... In, in, at least in our in our modern context, I'm not I'm not trying to say yeah, discernment ministry is way more important than being a pastor. Not at all. Um, teaching and preaching is is essential, um, but there's a reason that the new that the New Testament spends so much time. Pastoral epistles spend so much time talking about correcting false doctrine, fixing things that are being taught wrong. This is human nature. The church is the body of Christ, um, full of human beings who still bear the flesh nature and we're weak in the flesh and we make errors and we have, uh, you know, unclean motives that cause us to sin and that manifests in the church, which is why we're called to be discerning and hold one another accountable. So anyway, I hope this discussion has been, have been helpful. If you have more questions about like church membership or things like that, I mean, please reach out. You know where to find us. Um, Patreon messages are the easiest way. Those are, those always get responded to, um, no matter what we we always respond to, um, messages on Patreon in ways that, that we're often not able to respond, uh, to YouTube comments or Twitter comments or things like that. I mean, we try to, 
Um, but certainly, certainly we will prioritize um, those who are supporting the ministry financially. We love you guys and we appreciate it. For those of you, you freeloaders listening to this, we love you as well. Um, yeah, thank one of the patrons when you get a chance. <laughs> if, if, if you benefit from this or consider joining, we'd love to have you on board. Um, have a good rest of your, I guess it's Friday today. Normally I do this on Thursday, but it's Friday. So uh, in a couple days, go to church, gather with the saints and worship. Worship the almighty um, at the top of your lungs. And if you're in Colorado, perhaps I'll see you there. As always, Semper Reformanda.